All right, a good afternoon back from South Africa here. And, um, you know, I just want to firstly, before we start this next leadership webinar, I really want to thank each and every single person that has shown interest in these leadership webinars and particularly to those who have shared them. I think the whole purpose of these webinars is really to influence others, influence people across the globe. And yeah, that's really what leadership is. And we've been very fortunate to have fantastic, incredible speakers who have really just poured their hearts out and shared knowledge that have helped all of us to grow. And that's the whole purpose of leadership, to grow each other. And today is no different. Um, I'm very, very excited with our next speaker. Um, uh, actually, it's funny enough, when I put on social media who was going to be the next speaker, I was elundated with messages saying they couldn't wait to hear what he says, so no pressure on him. Um, but if you do know him, like I know him, I've been fortunate enough to work and coach with the man. He is a man of integrity. Um, he really has all the time in the world for anyone. And if I can say one thing, he has the most infectious smile in the world. I know whenever I had a difficult time or difficult period, and I would walk past him uh, during the school time or wherever I saw him, that smile would just make you realize that your problems are insignificant. So I really want to thank you for giving up your time. He's sitting on the other side of the world in France. Uh, but welcome and thank you, Mr. Kyle Majola. You know, no, thanks, Kev, for having me. Um, you're putting me under pressure to smile now, hey? <laughs> well, there we go. That's the smile I'm talking about, you see. So I wasn't lying. Uh, if I can just give you a quick little bio of Kaya while, while you here, if you don't know the man. His professional rugby career started when he was actually in matric, when he made the KZN Craven Week side. He was also elect selected for the South African under-18 school side the same year. He later signed a contract with the Sharks Union, where he played for the under-19 and the under-21 junior ranks in the Sharks. Uh, you're also privileged enough, and I'm going to pick your mind on this topic, but you are privileged enough to be a part of the first and only South African side to win the World Rugby Under-20 Championship. So that's a phenomenal achievement. You also played for the Sharks Curry Cup side and the Super Rugby sides. In 2017, Kaya joined the Southern Kings, where he played for in the Pro 14 League. In 2018, you joined Westville Boys High School as part of the Academic Learnership Programme. And you also got very heavily involved in the coaching. You coached the under-14 side with much success. And today you are currently in France, where we're having this webinar today, and you are playing rugby for the Federal One competition. So again, Kaya, thank you for giving up your time. I'm going to go straight into the first question. Um, and that is, obviously, South African rugby is, is in a good place at the moment, uh, with, with the Springboks winning the Rugby World Cup. Uh, and obviously going from, you know, from... Three years ago, they were the laughing stock of, of world rugby, if we could say that. And all of a sudden, fast forward three years, they're the world champs. Uh, incredible story behind it with Sia Colisi, Rossi Rasmus, and the whole coaching. Uh, it's a phenomenal story. Um, since we've won the Rugby World Cup till today, there's been a wonderful clips that have shown insight as to how Rossi masterminded the World Cup, how Sia Colisi created this winning culture, and how the players got together. So the question I have for you, Kaya, is you are involved in the under-20 World Championship where you represented South Africa and won the tournament as a player. Can you share your experiences with us, uh, with being involved in such a tournament? You know, from the time you were selected, uh, training as a team, how, how did you create that winning culture and obviously becoming world champs? Yeah, firstly, Kev, I think what CN the Springbok did was phenomenal for the country. I think it's a moment that will forever be celebrated. 
and it probably happened at the right time where the country needed most, you know, that, that hope that was created. Like you said, I was obviously fortunate enough to play in the Junior World Cup. And I think firstly for me, it was a big privilege, you know, and quite rewarding to be selected for that squad because I did really work hard. Everyone, I suppose, worked hard to make that team. And one thing that that squad didn't lack was certainly talent. Um, part of the group, we had likes of Peter Steff, now a Springbok. Henry Pollard was 18 at the time. Dylan Lades, who am I forgetting? Alan Dow playing for Scotland. Paul Willemser for France. And obviously many other guys currently playing in Super Rugby Pro Foot and, and some other guys overseas. So the nature of um, that group was a lot of the work that we did was covered probably in the meetings that we have prior going out into training. So the room for errors was very small because there was not a lot of coaching involved then. It was more about execution. So we went out into the first game. So it was against Ireland and um, we lost that game. I remember it was um, after the game in the change room. Remember vividly, one of the coaches said, this has probably happened at the right moment, you know, and um, from now on, we still end it. We're going to win every single game and lift that trophy. Because he said with so much confidence and there was that sense of buy-in from everyone. And, and obviously, as you know, we went further to, to lift that cup. It was, it was a special moment, I must say. I mean, to feel part of the group that was the first to lift that cup. So it was good. No, brilliant. I mean, if I, if I can just push a little bit more there, uh, you know, you've been fortunate to represent, you know, many rugby teams under leadership of various captains and coaches. Um, and I'm sure many of these teams have had a successful winning culture. So if you could maybe touch on the culture and, and I'm sure some of the teams that you played for have maybe had a toxic culture and an environment to play under. You know, can you give us some insights into what a coach can do? You know, there's a lot of inspiring coaches watching this and they're, they're listening from your expertise. You know, can you give us some insight what a coach can do to ensure they create the right environment and culture to get the best out of his players under his or her leadership? Sure. Um, I, would, I would say probably the first thing is understanding your players, really, understanding what you have. Um, because sometimes you could be part of a team but not feel part of it. I want to take it back to probably 2015 was when Brendan Fenton was helping out at the Sharks. After, shortly after the squad was announced, it was about 45, 46 players. And you would know, you probably don't use the entire squad in, in, in a season. But he made it his thing that he was going to speak to every single member of that squad. And because of that, I believe that's when the whole family um, culture was birthed. And because someone felt, everyone felt part of something. importance um, of um, the playing squad versus to the non-playing squad, I think it was, could have been Sean Everett. Um, they were saying that the non-playing squad is probably more important than the playing squad in terms of um, training sessions because the non-playing squad determined the quality of the sessions, you know, so um, because you want your playing squad to be at their optimum at all times, you know, just having that balance. Um, probably the second point, um, Funny enough, I actually saw the clip that you posted about um, Eddie Jones and I speak about um, clarity and roles and responsibility. I found that to be so true because um, that gives confidence and, and understanding leading up to matches. You know, obviously rugby being a high-pressure sport, you don't have much time to think in a game. You kind of be proactive in your thinking. You're seeing things happen even before they happen.
So Kai, just if I can touch on that, I mean, in terms of that culture, you, you, you're speaking about potentially your playing squad and your bigger squad. If you're not a part of that playing squad, I mean, how does a coach keep those players motivated to look at the bigger picture uh, in terms of your goals for a team? Sure. It, it, it becomes a quite a balance to have, a Gav, because um, every player has a role that they, that they serve. You know, so when you're actually honest and upfront about where a player stands, you know, you, as a player, it, it becomes a motivation of knowing where to work and, and where to go. And obviously also understanding that it's not, it's not necessarily about you, but it's about the, the larger scheme of things. No, brilliant. And then if I can also just, you know, you, obviously it, it'll go from different players. And I mean, you've been involved in coaching too with much success is, uh, you know, it'll, it'll differ from player to player. But how does a coach get the best out of a player? Um, she, I want to, let's take it to how, I want to say, you know, look at how Jesus led his disciples. You know, he knew them very well. Um, you know, he was he strategically and just patient with them, but that with that being said, he didn't compromise on what needed to be done. So I'd say, you know, you want to create that hope, you know, uh, focusing on facets of the game, skills, conditioning, discipline, but even more so understanding that you're coaching more than just a skill. Um, you're coaching people and everyone responds differently. I think once you have established that, um, that relationship um, amongst the players and, and the coaching staff, um, you're already winning. And also, also you want to make it known of what the standards are, you know, because, I mean, that will determine um, whether you're good enough or not. And that uh, becomes, um, it gives you the understanding of um, are you meeting those targets or not. I'm going to put a little bit under pressure here. Um, you've coached and obviously as a player. So let's go from a coach's perspective and a player's perspective. What do you do when you have a toxic player in the environment? You have one player there that sort of thinks he's better in the game or, or he doesn't see the bigger picture and he's doing everything in his power to, to try and derail the bigger goal. What, what can a player do? And certainly what can a coach do to, to you know, pull him back in line? Gee, um, <laughs> I suppose the most easiest thing you can do is just drop the player, but you don't want to do that, hey? Um, you kind of want to understand the player. And again, a player is human before they're a player. And, you know, uh, you would find that there's some brokenness within that player and maybe it's not um, really saying whatever. So, but I think once you get the heart of that person and make them understand what it's all about, really, um, I suppose then you are winning that battle, you know, because you don't really necessarily just want to just um, write off a player, you know kind of want to be patient with them and walk with them and put them where, they, where you feel they fit. No, thanks, Kai. And I'm glad you touched on that. I really am. And it's good hearing it from you. And, I, and I'll give you some credit. I mean, I've seen you coach those juniors at Westville and you certainly did have those conversations with the players. I think sometimes those players that are acting out are the ones that are actually screaming out for help. So I thank you for that. And, and yeah, giving those, those players the opportunity to express themselves and Sometimes they're crying for that help. And if you give them that help, then certainly you're going to get the best out of the player. So, yeah, and, you, and credit to you. You do that, and I've seen you do that. Um, let's fast forward to today, right? And now you here in France. You're sitting there, and you're playing in a Tier 1 competition here in France, playing rugby overseas. 
you know, how does the coaching style and the leadership framework compare from South African rugby to French rugby? Um, sure. In South Africa, obviously, you, you, you're quite blessed with a great pool of talent. So you've got a lot more to work with. Um, I'd say probably the, the so quality is demanded of you and with having high uh, intensity quality sessions. Um, I'd say probably the leadership style. So coming from an era where there used to be your, your, your senior, junior um, kind of culture. So that now the, the whole uh, culture that says that every person's got to say it's equally distributed. And so it's, it's pretty much player driven. And, um, and because I suppose the history comes from the place where understanding that as players, you're the one that's on the field, you, you make decisions based on what you, feel, what you feel at that moment. Um, so I suppose we're seeing the fruits of it with, with the caliber of um, leaders we have in the country. It's also quite pleasing that uh, it's happening in, in schoolboy rugby already, where there's a video analysis, um, players analyzing oppositions, um, they're making the decisions. Because, I mean, that's the next generation. If it's happening now already, I think that's a big positive for South African rugby. Uh, speaking about French, the French, it's very limited to what I can share as yet, uh, for now. But um, I can confirm one thing is that they, they're very passionate. And, and because of that, they tend to play high-risk rugby. Uh, with that being said, also understanding that if you're going to play all the time, there's, there's going to be areas there and there. But the French, they, they're quite passionate about their home games. Um, you can lose games, but um, you can't lose a home game. And I suppose maybe it's because they're community-based. Um, stadiums are smaller than that of South Africa, so they get filled up quickly and everyone gets stuck in. Um, leadership style, it's, it's pretty much still senior player-driven. No, brilliant. If I could just touch on that quickly, obviously from, from our perspective, sitting on the couch and watching sports, you know, you, the French do have a flamboyant style of rugby. I mean, they like to run it from everywhere. You don't quite know exactly what they're going to do next. Just give us a typical practice that you have there at your club. I mean, how do they coach that? Is that just natural talent or is that actually coached in them from a younger age? How do they, how did the French get flamboyant and play such, such style of rugby? Um, like I said, I suppose it comes from the whole place of being passionate and, uh, you know, so if after a game you're bleeding, you know, broken jaw and all that, you've, you've done a good job, you know, um, and, um, because of that, so they kind of have that fearless mentality where they're, they're, there's a bit of structure involved, but, um, you know, you always encourage that you, you play, you know, you, you, you want to express yourself. You, you want to play with, with, with freedom, you know. So I suppose that's, that's been the culture that um, I'm picking up that um, the French have. Which certainly is going to suit your style of play. Um. <laughs> <laughs> we hope. Uh, you play rugby at a high level, and uh, there's a lot of pressures that come under that, obviously playing at a high level for so many years that probably most people aren't aware of. You know, what advice can you give young, inspiring rugby players who want to play at a high level, who want to be the next Kaya Majola? And also, can you share any mistakes that maybe you want to get vulnerable with us and share a couple of mistakes that maybe you've made as a younger player that might assist these young men going into the future that, that want to be the next Kaya Majola? Sure, Gav. Um, that's like anything in life, I suppose. If you, if you want it, there's, there's quite a bit of sacrifices you have to make along the way. And you have to be willing to. 
Uh, rugby being a team sport, I think it's quite important that you fit in, fit in into the team culture. Um, and with that being said, I remember a few years ago, uh, it was Vodacom Cup at the time. I was playing in Vodacom Cup. Um, I was reserve flank. So during that game, they took a, a reserve lock and played in flank. I didn't go on that game. Man, I was, I was upset. Um, so again, it's just understanding that sometimes it's not about you. It's, 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 it's about the team what is needed at the time. And rugby itself has got a lot of life lessons uh, that you can walk away with. Um, yeah, I suppose, you know, as cliche as it sounds, you know, sometimes you're at the right place at the right time and you have to be ready for those opportunities. Um, it's, I think it's as simple as that. And, you know, you, you, you kind of want to stay hungry, you know, for as long as you stay hungry, keep on going. No, that's wise advice. And I'm sure a lot of boys will take a lot from that. Thank you. Um, just, just one question I just want to ask you quickly is, you know, I'm sure all your life or maybe when you got to high school, you started to dream of being representing your country. I'm sure you would have dreamed of getting a contract. When was it that it clicked in your mind that, yo, you know what? I can actually take this professional. I really can. I can. I can make a career out of rugby. Was there such a time, you know, uh, or was it just being at the right place at the right time, as you said? Mm. Yeah, it was probably just after I made Grand Common Week. Um, I remember I went to go f watch my first uh, Sharks game, and um, and I happened to see J like I admired JP Peterson a lot. And um, I was sitting there, um, but there was a phase, a moment where I was like, she, I wish I could ever, like, would I ever really be on this field, you know? And I made up a thing. I remember saying to my friend, I was like, I'm going to be here. One day I'll really be here. And, um, you know, he giggled and laughed about it, you know. But anyway, to fast forward as well, it became such a beautiful thing because one of the games that I've played, uh, or a few games, was with uh, JP. And, um, yeah, I suppose... You know, when, when something is in your heart and you, you protect that, you know, and you, you focus on the bigger goal, you keep on going, yes, there will be obstacles along the way. That's, that's, it's just the nature of life, you know. And, and I suppose you, you work and believe in that long enough and, you know, think opportunities can come. No, thanks. I, I, yeah, I absolutely love that. You know, we, we obviously, we're still involved with growing leaders at a high school level. Um, and a lot of the times you speak about having a goal and working towards your goal. So, yeah, to hear that you actually, you know, believe it and you say it. And that's a big thing, I think, is actually saying your goal and being accountable to it. So, yeah, congrats to you for, for you know, the young age having that goal and, and, and aspiring to it and being an aspiration to other boys. Uh, lastly, I just want to ask you, let's talk about the lighter side of professional rugby now. You know, we always talk about the serious side of it. So, you know, are there any funny, inspiring stories that you could share with us that you've witnessed as a player uh, over the years? Um, there's so many. Um, okay, it was probably, it was um, a recovery session, a beach recovery session. And uh, just after the formalities of the recovery, so a few players gather, gathered around a specific player. Um, boom, tackled him, took off his speedo, and they took off. And you can use the imaginations of what happened next. <laughs> but I mean, it was done in good spirit. It was just for the face of, of, of the team. 
No, lovely, lovely. And, and you know, any other stories there in the French? I mean, how do they how are they accepting you as a South African new blood coming in there? You know, are they are they accommodating to you as a South African? Um, I think, Gav, if you're playing well, they, they will be accommodating. <laughs> Just have to make sure you, you're always bringing your game. But, I mean, I think the culture here, it's, it's, it's pretty much very family-orientated. And, you know, because obviously smaller communities and everyone gets stuck in. And when you, when you, as quickly as you can, embrace their culture, I think that's when they can actually open up to you. No, fantastic. And then lastly, Kyle, I'll put you under one little bit of pressure is once your career is over as a professional sportsman, you're obviously going to be coming back to South Africa and coaching again. <laughs> if I'm working with you, Kev, I'll be more than happy. <laughs> well, I'm going to hold you to that. Okay, look, I just want to thank you so much for giving up your time. I know you're a busy man. You're, you're there in France. Actually, you know, to, to, to share this, these stories from someone like you who... You know, you speak about goals and, and a lot of the boys do speak about goals, but to, for you to actually speak about it and it becomes a reality, you're a role model to a lot of, to a lot of boys. And as I said, when I, when I put on social media that I was going to have you as a guest speaker, the messages that came across from, from schoolboys, from, from past students, from current staff, it was just amazing to see. And that's just testament to the man you are. So really, thank you, Kaya. Uh, I'm going to hold you to that, you coming back, because uh, as I said, your office is always open for you, and we can't wait for you to come back to South Africa. But well done for what you are doing in France. Well done for what you are doing for rugby. And a massive thank you for giving up your time to do this webinar. Well, thanks, Kev. Also, just want to throw a compliment your way. I think the leader that you are, um, you know, it's quite rare for you to make those errors because you're so, you're so informed. And um, when you do make those errors, you're very quick to rectify them. And since you're still a supporter, I just hope that you're going to rectify that error very quickly and see the light and come to the shot. <laughs> I can't believe you threw that. I was even going to ask you when you're going to play for the Stormers. But anyway, but <laughs> thanks, Kaya. You're too kind. Uh, keep well, buddy. And uh, we can't wait to see you soon. All right. Cheers, Gav.